The Healthcare Quality Cast is powered by the Quality Coaching Company. If you'd like to work with us to earn your Lean Six Sigma for healthcare certification or partner with our innovative corporate training and coaching programs to successfully scale your continuous improvement initiatives, then click the link below to learn more and apply. Hey, quality people, welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast. I'm your host, Jarvis Gray, and in this podcast, we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring industry leaders. We dive deep into the career journeys of these leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for their patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of healthcare. Now, let's meet today's quality guests. All right, thank you for joining in on another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cast. And today I'm here with my special guest, Dr. Lisa Herbert. Lisa, are you ready to share with some quality people? Yes, I am. And thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm really excited to be here today. That makes two of us. Makes two of us. Thank you so much for joining. Um, Lisa, we love to start every show with getting positive momentum. So I didn't say this, Lisa, but feel free to mess up as much as you want. (laughs) All I do is slice it out and then pick it right back up. (laughs) Okay. All right. So take two. So this is what happened with a 10 o'clock podcast. (laughs) All right. Lisa, we love to start every show with positive affirmations to really get our momentum going. So I would love if you could share your favorite leadership quote or leadership mindset, but tell us why it appeals to you. How do you apply it on a daily basis? Absolutely. So my favorite quote actually is by Oprah Winfrey. It's a leadership quote that that she has, and it's leadership is about empathy. It is about having the ability to relate and connect with people for the purpose of inspiring their lives. So this quote really um, resonates with me because that's one of the things that I talk about with the healthcare leaders that I actually come in contact with and that I coach. It's one of the things that I really impart that they really develop as a skill and that is being empathetic. You know, it's easy to sometimes sympathize with people, but to really empathize with them means that you really understand or you're even making the effort to understand what they're going through. And that in and of itself can inspire people to do better. So that's why this, you know, particular quote is really important. All right. And I love it. Um, I will say that's the first Oprah Winfrey quote that I can recall on the show. Um, Let me ask you this really quickly, but can you give me a breakdown? Because I always kind of mix them up, empathy versus sympathy. Um, and I don't know if that will, you know, resonate very well with our, our audience or not, but can you give a quick breakdown, um, just compare and contrast empathy versus sympathy? Sure, actually. So I think it, it is important really to understand, and I think the best way I can describe it is, so if someone is really going through a challenge, and um, let's just say that, you know, you feel concern about what they're going through, or you feel concerned about their particular struggle that they're having, but you're really not doing more than that. You're really not making it an effort to understand fully what they're going through. You're not asking questions. Um, There's no real follow-up to that. So this this is what empathy is and what I'm explaining. So empathy really is 
taking the time to really get to understand the person's struggle, as opposed to just saying, um, I'm sorry for what you went through. You're really taking the time to understand what they're going through. You're taking the time to really sit down and listen to them. You're actually taking the time to experience or to sort of feel what it is to live in the shoes of that person who actually is going through that struggle. So this in and of itself, a lot of times helps people to then move forward. It helps to inspire people because they feel that you are really listening intently, that you're understanding, and then they're going to want to be motivated to do more because of that. All right, perfect. Thank you. And I, I heard a speaker, I'm trying to recall which speaker broke, broke this down for me, but the way that I've learned to separate the two in my head um, is that sympathy is so if you were, you know, throwing up over a toilet, like after a hangover or something, sympathy is, you know, the friend popping their head in to say, oh, are you okay? And then empathy is the friend that's going to actually kind of hold your hair back or help you up off the toilet when you're done. Um, exactly. <laughs> that, that's, that's a really good, good way of explaining I, it. Yeah, I wish I could remember who or where I heard that. But, you know, that was that's the only way I could all, almost kind of place the two in my head. But no, thank you again for that quote. Um, you know, having that, too. I mean, that's what we're doing in healthcare in so many ways is that empathizing and putting ourselves in the shoes of the people that we support as leaders or support as caregivers. Um, so I love it. That's a great start to the show. Um, so thank you for that. And Lisa, let me jump into this one because I'm, I'm really geeking out about having you on this conversation tonight. Um, definitely a new angle on leadership that we just hadn't jumped on with, you know, with the podcast so far. So um, Lisa, I would love if you could share with our quality people more about your professional background um, the current role and the work that you lead, and, and definitely what got you into this career path. Yes. So I, my background is I am a family physician. So um, I trained as a family medicine doctor 25 years ago. And um, so I practiced medicine in my community in New Jersey. Um, my practice was very diverse. I treated infants all the way up to the elderly. So it was a very um, humbling and rewarding experience to be able to be a part of a community, change the lives of people, you know, be able to see um, families come together and grow. And during my time as a physician, um, I started to quickly realize that there was a need for physicians to sort of move into this leadership role to be able to have a voice within healthcare. So I decided to take on some roles, minor roles in leadership, you know, along my journey as a physician. So I served as a um, physician advisor in a hospital system, also as a medical director of a large um, family planning agency. Um, I also had some experience in the healthcare industry, as well as in academic medicine as well. So it gave me a real diverse background in all the facets of healthcare and helped me to really realize that we are needed actually in all, in all of these areas in healthcare as leaders to be able to have a voice. Um, so slowly as I began to sort of slow down my practice, I became more and more interested in wanting to not only 
um, pursue a career in leadership, but also to help other healthcare professionals, especially physicians who wanted to make that transition out of clinical medicine into healthcare leadership. So now what I do is I coach physicians who want to make that transition. So I serve as an executive leadership coach. I help them to be able to see what's possible. I help them to develop the skills that they need in order to be an effective healthcare leader. Um, and I also support organizations who also are looking to internally develop leadership programs as well. All right. And again, I, I love that mindset, um, Lisa, because so much of you know the focus that I placed in this podcast has to do with leadership. Um, I, I just personally believe that you know healthcare um, leaders that continue to grow if they're coming up through the ranks of quality process improvement. Obviously, you know patient care goes without saying. Um, you know you have to recognize that the things that got you started in your career path are not the things that are going to make you. Uh, a great leader long-term, especially as you continue to grow in your career path. So the next question I love to maybe throw at you, Dr. Herbert, um, you know, based on your background with executive leadership and, and just that focus with the coaching work that you do, um, what are three critical concepts or, or topics that emerging healthcare leaders or physician leaders that are looking to make that transition, um, what are three critical concepts that they should have on their radars? So there, there are a lot of topics, obviously, you know, that I think leaders can cer certainly um, adopt. I think right now, especially seeing where we are as a community and as a country, um, especially a lot of the things that we're going through in terms of being in the middle of a pandemic and some of the world issues, I think one of the top things that emerging healthcare leaders really need to have on their radar is the importance of diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace. So that is really an important topic um, for a myriad of reasons, right? I mean, we all know that having a diverse workforce is important, not only in being able to serve the communities and being a representation of the communities that we serve, but also to be a better organization, to be more productive, to have more inclusive ideas, um, and to be able to perform and deliver better care. So DE&I, I think, is one of the, the topics that definitely comes to mind. Um, second would be retaining employees. I mean, I think that right now we are seeing a surge of um, exodus or mass exodus, unfortunately, of a lot of healthcare professionals that are leaving um, for, again, a lot of different reasons. Um, and that is really, that's costing us in the long run. You know, every time a, a physician leaves or every time a healthcare professional leaves, it costs more money to bring in and recruit and, you know, um, and onboard a, a new healthcare professional. Also, um, it leaves an, a gap you know, there are not enough healthcare professionals that, that is going to be left in the years coming in order to serve, you know, the population in the, in the communities that really need us. So employee retention and being able to um, not only recruit, but retain employees is also important. And then I think the third topic would be change management, right? So the ability for us to be able to process and adapt to change is so important. And again, I think that 
just looking at where we are now and seeing where we have had to come and the things that we've had to rapidly adapt to based on, you know, being in the middle of a pandemic and some of the other things that have happened shows us how important it is to really embrace and understand change management. All right, fantastic. And, you know, that, that focus, um, I'll start with change management. That has come up so many times in so many of my past conversations or recent conversations with healthcare leaders like yourself on this podcast. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm hoping for our consistent listeners that that's going to be a thought, a, a concept that, you know, they're going to start to hear through this. Hopefully they are seeing it on a daily basis in their day-to-day -day work. Um, would you have any thoughts, any resources where leaders can start to go and learn more about change management? Um, I don't know, a course, a book, a podcast, or anything, anything that, you know, from your coaching work that you tend to point people towards, you know, just so they can get a better grasp of what change management can start to look like? So I think I don't have a particular course per se or book, but I think it's just important for um, healthcare leaders to be able to you know, reach out maybe to, to mentors or to those who maybe have gone through that process already um, in yeah. order to learn you know, about change management. So sometimes that could be reaching across different um, departments within their organization or reaching out to another organization that has already gone through a change management process to see, you know, sort of the steps that they use to get there. Um, I know that a lot of the professional organizations, uh, professional leadership organizations offer courses on change management. Um, the American Association of Physician Leadership, I believe, has a change management course um, as well. So, so any sort of professional society that offers those types of courses would be helpful um, as well. All right, fantastic. But, you know, to your point, I mean, just recognizing that change is happening, um, you know, it's, it's the constant of life, um, <laughs> definitely the constant of this industry right now. Um, so, no, yeah. thank you for that, that awareness. I mean, that's half the battle. Um, your other point, I mean, the retention, I, I was just reading um, this great article last week on LinkedIn talking about, you know, right now we're in a period, I think they called it the great resignation, to your point, where people are just, you know, they're fleeing many different industries, but healthcare is taking a huge hit. Yeah. Um, but then on top of that, we're also in this period of the great uh, retirement where, you know, the baby boomer wave is starting to kick in more so. Um, so, you know, again, I, I guess I'm just underscoring what you shared there, um, having a focus as, as emerging leaders are coming up, you know, what is going to take to create a culture in your organization that keeps providers, that keeps other staff members, I think is very important. Um, I do want to kind of jump on this last, the first one you started with uh, around diversity, equity, inclusion. Um, so for me, Lisa, I have been in healthcare for, I don't know, almost 15 years now. And I've never had the focus that I'm hearing around diversity as much as I am today. I'm just curious, you know, from your path, your experience, do you see us kind of getting to a point, especially for emerging leaders that are coming up, does it feel like the wave is finally turning in a very favorable way versus not, or, or is this just a fad? It's the, the hot topic now, and then we're going to put it right back under the cover in the American culture like we tend to do sometimes. Um, 
just curious to get your opinions on that. That's interesting because I think it's too early for us to know right now whether it's a fad or not. Mm -hmm. I do think that most people or most organizations are realizing the importance of it, um, whether that is genuine <laughs> or not, or if it's just that they, you know, want to be seen as, you know, part of the, again, the wave that's happening. But in any event, I think that um, the fact that people are just sort of becoming more aware, that awareness piece, again, is really important. Um, so, so that's really good. I think it's going to really come down to how persistent we are with keeping it in the forefront. So the more persistent we are about keeping it in the forefront, the more that people, um, especially those of us who may have some credentialing or background in DEI work, who can really just keep the focus there, I think the more it's we're going to see hopefully a turn at some point. Um, I think that the more that we put also in the forefront issues that are arising, um, that is going to become important as well. You know, um, there are many stories, obviously, that have come up, I'm sure that we've all heard about, you know, in terms of, um, you know, healthcare disparities. Um, there was actually a, a physician who, you know, African-American physician who died of COVID um, recently, I think over the past year or so, where, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion in the workplace sort of came to a, a head at that particular organization because it was actually found that, you know, there was some discriminatory practices that were happening during her care. So I think that when, if those stories continue to be told and kept in the forefront, then hopefully this work around DE&I will also um, continue. Perfect. No, I appreciate your thoughts on that. I, I, I have to admit, I mean, it's just one of those constant struggles, you know, being born and raised in the South, kind of, you know, having many of the experiences I've had. Um, I will say one of the things that does keep me encouraged is, funny enough, social media. Um, I think, you know, that platform now with so many different social media sites is providing visibility and voices that I think, you know, they didn't have during the civil rights movement, for example. Exactly. So, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm, I'm encouraged. And again, for all of our emerging leaders, our emerging physician leaders, um, these are going to be hot topics. So, you know, Lisa, thank you so much for putting those out there. And I hope everybody kind of puts that officially on their radar as they continue to grow. Yes. Um, next, uh, next question I have for you, Lisa, I would love if you could share with us maybe your biggest professional success and your biggest professional failure that you've had while, you know, working through your stages and your transitions as an executive leader. Um, share with us, what did you take from both of those moments? So, wow, I think, you know, when, when I think back to my career path, um, one of the biggest professional successes, I think for me was my first leadership role that I had. So I was a young physician, you know, still, if you want to call it wet behind the ears, you know, just maybe out of practice for two or three years or so. And I was offered this uh, leadership role as a medical director for um, a six center family planning agency. I've, I've never been in that 
sort of a role before, but here I was, you know, leading teams and leading healthcare professionals, making decisions, um, coming up with protocols, you know, overseeing quality, all of those things that, you know, we're given the responsibility to do. And without much training, right, because they don't train us to become leaders in medical school. So that's one of the things, you know, that really um, sparked my interest in in the coaching aspect of, of, of helping healthcare leaders. So without any training, without, you know, really having that background um, in terms of leadership, I was able to I guess what I would call now, you know, impart some of that change management process within the organization. So we sort of went from um, a family planning agency that really just addressed certain problems to an agency that actually became a well woman center, wellness center. So, so for me, that was a huge success because I felt like I was being a part of delivering more comprehensive care to underserved women in that area and also helping um, healthcare professionals to really stretch, you know, their limits and to perform at their, their highest potential. Fantastic. Uh, I love that story as a win. So just kudos to you, um, you know, for that especially your first time at bat. So. Yes. <laughs> so, and then my, I guess my biggest professional failure would be, um, I have to think about that. My biggest professional failure, I think would be, um, I remember having a <clears throat> role as a um, medical director. And I think at that time I had more, you know, experience. And um, again, without really having the training necessary, without having those skills, I think developed to where they should be to be an effective leader. Um, I didn't really know the concept of working within a team or having, you know, having the ability to influence people to do what they need to um, within the organization. So that was a big failure for me because it took a lot for me to learn how to change my mindset around going from being this, you know, doctor or clinician, sort of working in my own practice and making my own decisions and not really having to, you know, answer to anyone <laughs> to moving into a leadership role where now I had to work within a team, work across teams, work across, you know, different departments, and then be able to inspire people on my team to really follow, you know, the vision and the goals that we had set forth within the organization. I didn't do that too well initially. <laughs> so it was something I had, something I had to, to learn to do. All right. So I'll share with you, Lisa. So I mentioned I, I came into healthcare 2007, feels like, you know, a, a lifetime ago. Um, my very first project, I was working in the emergency department, um, had a physician leader champion for that project that was literally being, you know, an a-hole. And I called him out in a meeting. I literally said, sir, you're being an a-hole. Um, and, you know, that didn't slow him down any, but we had such a, a great heart-to-heart -heart conversation afterwards. And he kind of explained why he was the way he was. It wasn't that he was purposely being belligerent, but kind of like what you just said, he, he mentioned 
Um, he wasn't taught to work on teams. He was taught to be competitive. He was taught to be the person out in front, you know, and those were just the way he was brought up as, as a physician leader from his experience. Um, and, and he mentioned, he was like, I wish more people would just say what they're thinking and call me out when I'm being a certain way. Um, so I just want to share, you know, that was my experience with a physician who wasn't used to being on a team. And of course, I, I, I grew up in sports and I've always done project management. So I'm all about team stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that was just my kind of reverse experience to what you just shared. But um, all that to say, maybe for any physician leader listening to this, would you have any quick tips on things that they could do to kind of flip their mindset to be more I don't know, team-centered or team-centric, so to speak? Yeah, you know, I think the first thing really is to um, to be, I, I use this a lot of times with my students even, because, you know, I do some volunteer work in the clinic as well with, with some medical students. And I always tell them to, three things, listen intently. So if, you go, if you're in a meeting, if you're surrounded by other people, um, you don't want to, always go into a meeting with something to say. Sometimes it's okay just to sit back and listen. So listen intently. Um, the second is to be curious and ask questions. So before you, you know, say anything, before you give your ideas or before you say, you know, what you think is, you know, should be done, really just be curious and ask questions first. Get other people's perspective of sort of what's going on, you know, feel the room. And then the third and the last thing would be to um, always assume positive intent. So, you know, there are people are going to sometimes say things that may rub you the wrong way or you may not necessarily agree with them. Well, always assume positive intent first before, you know, getting into an argument or getting into a space where there may be some, some conflict arising. So those are, are three things that I, I usually say, you know, to start with. Great. Perfect. I love it. I love all three of those. Thank you for that. Um, let me move you into the next question, because uh, with this one, I would love to know, uh, you know, what are your favorite personal um, just go to tools or techniques that support your leadership style? So a lot of my um, a lot of my, you know, work with clients that I do in terms of the, the leadership training um, space or the executive leadership coaching is around how to be an effective communicator. Because I think a lot of um, times, again, you know, especially with physicians, you know, we are trained one way and then we have to sort of, you know, flip our mindset and flip our way of being um, when we're in a corporate setting or when we're in um, a leadership role. And a lot of time the communication is, is lost or we don't have a, an effective form of communication to be able to um, speak with other people, to manage conflict, you know, to resolve problems, to be able to, again, inspire and motivate people. So one of the things that I always, and it's something very simple that I always sort of teach my clients is what's called like the sandwich method of communication. So it's how you deliver, you know, um, maybe something negative or how you deliver something that may be perceived as negative. So instead of just coming out and giving a person like negative feedback or giving them, you know, a, a saying a negative comment, make sure that you sandwich it between two positive things. So you want to first, you know, address them positively and say, you know, something to the effect like, 
I really appreciate you being a member on the team. You know, your work is impeccable. Um, the second statement would be if it's negative. I just wanted to bring to your attention, you know, that this is something that I think we should work on, or this is something that I noticed that I think you should, should improve upon. And then you end it by saying, again, I want to thank you again for just being um, an important part of the team. And you can always reach out to me if you have any questions. So it's taken, it, it's delivering information in a different context. The person takes it differently. You know, there's usually not any sort of um, hopefully conflict that arises from that, but you're still be, you're still able to really be effective, you know, and given negative feedback. All right now. So in all fairness, now what I'm hearing with the sandwich method is that the, the example you gave was perfect. But if I said something like, hey, good morning, let me tell you why you suck. But it is a nice morning. So that, that's probably not going to cut it, right? That's not going to cut it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, perfect. No, I, I like that. I like that that mindset. Um, I, I will have to keep that one in mind and see if I can use that personally. Um, hopefully our listeners can adapt that one too. But, but something a little bit more than good morning. Let me tell you why you suck. Right, let, right, right. <laughs> let, let me tell you about yourself real quick. <laughs> yes. No. You have to know how to also give the negative feedback in a more productive way as well. Um, but yes, yes, that's that's the gist of it. All right, fair enough. No, I love it. I love it. Thank you for that one, Lisa. Um, next question that I have, I, I would love if you could share with us a healthcare leader that has just made a tremendous influence or impact on your career path. Um, share with us, if you have one, um, who that person is and what the impact was. Absolutely. So I had the distinct honor and pleasure, privilege rather, to um, work under Dr. Marilyn Hughes-Gaston. So she is, for those of you who don't know her, so she is a brilliant African-American um, pediatrician who served as the Assistant Surgeon General for the Uniformed Services Arm of the Public Health Service. And she had such a tremendous, tremendous impact on me as a um, medical student at the time. So I worked with her um, in the Public Health Service as a medical student doing like an internship. And um, so I mean, for so many reasons, she had an impact on me. She was a female. She was a black female. Um, she was in a you know a position of leadership. Um, she carried herself well. She you know basically just took me under her wing, and um, you know just gave me all of the the things that I needed in order to just build my confidence and to con you know continue in the medical field. Um, but her story just resonated with me because she all, she grew up poor, you know, um, she grew up in an area where she was told that, you know, she probably wasn't going to become a doctor, but she did anyway. Um, and then as her, uh, work in the community as a pediatrician started to evolve, she recognized that sickle cell disease was one of those things that was being really overlooked. And she used her influence, which we do as leaders. She used her presence, you know, her education, all of the things that she had available to her to be able to put sickle cell disease in the forefront and actually was very instrumental in helping us to get today, you know, the screening that we have for, um, for infants um, in, in the sickle cell disease um, area. So yeah, so she was very influential 
um, to me impacted me a great deal, just having the ability to be able to work with her, but just seeing, you know, how she was very committed to the cause of, um, helping the underserved. Right. Uh, so I absolutely appreciate her impact on you. Um, I know our listeners don't have the advantage that I have right now, but just the way you lit up as you were talking about her was, was absolutely just fantastic. I could see like all of the great memories or the impacts that she made just, just really lit you up there. So um, absolutely wonderful. I love that story. Next question I have for you. Um, what do you see as the number one challenge and the number one opportunity for today's up and coming healthcare physician leaders? So the number one challenge I think I'm gonna go back to is the change, the rapid change that we are facing in healthcare. Um, you know, it's just become, I think, something that we have had to learn to adapt to very quickly. And for those of us who are unable to or unwilling to adapt, you know, it's um, it's really a detriment. It's a detriment to the, their organization. It's a detriment to the communities um, in which we serve if we're not able to really keep up with the rapid change that's happening in healthcare. So that's definitely a challenge um, is to be able to have that ability, you know, to be able to, to adapt to change. Um, and then I think the opportunity that we have is along, I think, innovation. I think there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, I think with new technologies that are that are coming out, um, I think with the ability to be able to, um, you know, utilize those technologies, the abilities that we have now just to be able to be more creative in medicine. Um, so I think innovation definitely is um, an area that um, that where there's great opportunity for us to be able to you know develop new devices, new ways of thinking, new ideas in order to improve healthcare. Right. Well, so you know both of those I, I think are still really good examples to your point about change, um, and it, it puts me in this mindset, Lisa. Um, my mom taught me that change is a bus, and you could either drive the bus or you can get hit by the bus. But it's like that bus is coming. The so. bus is coming. <laughs> yes, yes. So we, we could be resistant to it or we can, you know, go with it and, and use it as a source of innovation to change, you know, the Absolutely. industry, to change our, change our organizations. So um, wonderful. I love that mindset. Um, let me move you into the next part of our show, Lisa. And this is a part that I call our two-minute drills, kind of my take on a rapid fire Q&A. But uh, before we get into it, just want to check and make sure you're ready to go. Okay, let's do it. All right, perfect. So Lisa, this next question is something of a two-parter where I would love if you could tell our audience something about your current role that inspires you to do your best, but then also share with us, how do you inspire other professionals? Great. So I think the one thing about my role that inspires me to do my best is when I get response and feedback from those people you know, clients that allow me to work with them, that they have either, you know, progressed, something's changed within their uh, leadership journey, they've been able to resolve a conflict at work, you know, something positive uh, that, that I can get that I hear from them in terms of feedback really inspires me to continue to do the work that I do. And then um, I inspire others, I believe, by being able to listen to them intently 
um, reminding them of their wins. Sometimes I think that we forget a lot of the things that we have done in the past, um, you know, that we would consider to be wins. And so reminding them of their wins and then just basically acknowledging them. I think a lot of people, you know, the one thing that they really want is just to be acknowledged. So I think acknowledging um, the people that I help actually inspires, inspires them. Perfect. And what's the best piece of uh, career advice that you've ever received? The best piece of advice I've ever received is always be willing to step outside of your comfort zone. And I think that for me, I have to think about that all the time because <laughs> I tend to be on the, the introverted side, but that's the best piece of advice because every time I step out of my comfort zone on that other side of discomfort usually is the thing that I need to put me, push me to the next level. I've only started recently sharing this, Lisa, but um, for me, I'm, I'm really trying to get in the habit of doing daily reflections. And so just taking a few minutes to ask myself a series of questions about how my day went. And the number, the first question, the one that I'll share with you really quickly is what fear did I confront today? Mm, yeah. And so that's, that's kind of my take on exactly what you just shared there. And it's, it's when you can acknowledge that you're doing something that's a little bit scary, that it just pushes you to think different, to be different, to act different, and, and hopefully some progress comes from it. So, yeah. Um, so I, I love that mindset personally. Great. Nick, next question I have for you. Um, what do you consider are three key attributes of being an effective healthcare leader? So the first is the ability to, we talked a lot about awareness, you know, earlier. So the first I think is really the ability to be aware of oneself. So, so that you can always use that to advance, to better yourself, to advance your career, to also to advance personally as well. Um, the second would be the ability to build and foster relationships, I think is really important um, in order to be an effective healthcare leader. You have to be able to work with other people. Again, we talked about working across you know, different departments, working across different industries. Um, we need the ideas and the experiences of, of other people along with our own in order to be able to become productive in order to lead organizations. And then the last attribute I would say is, um, again, just being, being, the, being willing to be adaptive, I think is the third, the, the third attribute. Uh, so I, I will share um, to, your, to your points there. Um, I'm in the process now of writing a new article. Um, I've been fortunate to, to become a contributor with Newsweek. And so now I'm trying to figure out what the heck am I going to write about? But one of the ideas is around skills that all leaders need coming out of the pandemic and flexibility and adaptability are two that are literally on the list and I in my head I was like I didn't even know those were like official skills I thought they, right. were, just, <laughs> right. I thought they were just natural characteristics either you got it or you don't but no these are actual skills because yes. that's what we're learning from the pandemic is yep. is how to be flexible um you know with with life now Absolutely. unfortunately <laughs> um so yeah no I, I love each of those that you just shared um next question I have for you could you please share with our quality people a professional society and a professional conference that you think will be a value at? Yeah so I think I think maybe instead of giving you a particular society and particular conference I think it's important just to think about 
how you go about picking that society and picking the conference, because I think that, you know, that particular society and conference could change as you emerge as a leader, right? I mean, we all go through different phases and different chapters in terms of our leadership journey. So what I may belong to today may not be the same as what I might want to belong to five years from now. So in terms of picking a professional society, I think it's important to just pick one that aligns with your values and goals, but also allows you to be able to support issues that are important to you as well. So whatever professional society kind of covers all of those areas, I think is the one that you really should, you know, go with and stick with. Um, One there where there are like-minded people as well, you know, those people who kind of share, again, those same things, those values and those um, that you have both personally and professionally. And then in terms of conferences, I'm going to go back to what I said about, um, one of the best career advices, which is to kind of step outside of your comfort zone. I think the same with conferences, Um, you know, go to a conference that's really outside of your niche, maybe something that you don't really have a background in something that you need to, you might want to learn that's new, um, you know, within a different, uh, within a different industry, learn something different. I had to recognize that from myself this past year I went to was invited to actually speak at the innovator MD conference which is all about technology and that really is outside of my wheelhouse like I just I have I'm not (laughs) a technology savvy person I don't know anything about you know developing devices and it was really outside of my niche but again leadership and leadership skills is needed in that area as well. So just sort of going to that conference helped me to realize that I didn't need to stay so, you know, focused. I could really be, um, I could really extend and go outside of my comfort zone to other conferences and learn some things that can help me to, you know, be a better leader. Uh, That's awesome to hear. I'll I'll double down on that. Um, At least before the pandemic, Lisa, I would actually budget um, to attend two conferences a year, one that was in, you know, something healthcare related, just so I could stay in tune with, you know, industry trends. And then one that was had nothing to do with healthcare. It was just whether it was personal interests, um, you know, or whatever things around entrepreneurship with my business, Mm -hmm. just something to learn some new skill or something new period. So um, just to double down on that, I I love all of that insight you're given. Perfect. Uh, Let's see. Next question. Um, If you had a book that you would recommend to our audience, what would it be and why? So I'm really, I'm really big on personal development as it relates to leadership. So a lot of my, I guess, books that I've read or or read or recommend or, or something around personal development. One of the books that, um, always comes to mind that I recommend for all of my clients really to, if they have not read it already, um, it's called the four agreements by Don, um, Miguel Ruiz. And it really is um, a book based on, um, you know, there's a bit of spirituality to it, to it, but the book is really based on four principles. And, and if you follow these four principles, it really impacts the way that you approach life. Um, it really helps you to put aside self-limiting beliefs and it helps you to really show up, you know, as a better person. And the four agreements are, the first one is to um, be impeccable with your word. So show love, you know, to others always. 
The second is don't take it personally, right? Because not everything is about us. Um, sometimes things are said and happen to have nothing really to do with us. But if we do take it personally, sometimes the manner in which you react to that could be, you know, negative. The third is um, don't make assumptions. And then the fourth is always do your best. And that the last one really is important because I always try to impart upon, you know, um, my clients that as long as you put your best foot forward and as long as you always do your best, no one could ask more of you than that. So, so I like the, the four agreements. Perfect. I'm not familiar with it, but I, I wrote it down as you were sharing. Um, Lisa, I always say that, you know, the coolest part of being the host of this podcast um, I, I literally listen to it as a fan once the, the episodes come out, but I get to write down like all of your tips first. <laughs> so <laughs> I get to benefit first from uh, from all the new stuff that I get to learn. And then eventually everybody else get to plug in. But, you know, yeah. it's really all it's, it's all about me. That's it. <laughs> um, Lisa, I call this next question my silver bullet question, but what's one piece of advice that you would give to healthcare organizations to help them get better at focusing on leadership development internally? Wow, I think the first thing is that healthcare organizations have to realize and understand um, why it's important. So why is healthcare leadership you know, training important? Um, what is the, the outcome that they would wanna see from having an effective leadership program. If they can answer those questions first, then I think it becomes a lot easier to develop um, internally a leadership program and then develop the strategy for the leadership program. But they really have to be committed to um, wanting to actually understand why it's important. They have to be committed to also wanting to um, divest or, or invest rather the amount of time and money that it takes really to develop an effective program. Um, and then I think that once those things are established, then it becomes a little easier to be able to, you know, then develop a, a strategy. But they first have to really, really embrace the, 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 the why and, and the importance of it. Perfect. I respect that answer fully. Um, so Lisa, we are right there at the close, a very last question I have for you, but um, let's say that we're sitting here a year from now celebrating what a great year it's been for you and the work that you're leading in. Uh, take a second to think about it, but what exactly did we achieve this year? And most importantly, how are we celebrating? So, <laughs> so, I, so a, a productive year for me would be, um, would be the number of lives that I've changed and made the better um, because they were able to um, either advance in their career as a healthcare leader, um, solve a problem maybe that they have had that had that prevented them from transitioning maybe into leadership, um, or and or having organizations really. Um, adapt and change to what it takes to have an effective leadership program. All right. I love it. And how are we celebrating? <laughs> Assuming no COVID so we could travel. We could oh gosh. Out. How are we celebrating? <laughs> oh gosh. Um, well, you know, I love to travel. And I think that the one place that I have on my bucket list that I haven't been to yet would be Greece. So 
I think maybe a trip to Greece. <laughs> All right. So I can already tell you, um, Greece is fantastic. Um, had a chance, my wife and I did Greece, gosh, probably eight or nine years ago now, but um, yeah, it'll be well worth it. That will be a trip well earned um, and the food, the people, the scenery, it'll be well worth it. So um, Lisa, I, I'm praying for your ultimate success and the end of COVID so you can make your trip over to Greece. I definitely say Athens, Mykonos, um, Santorini, those are the areas we hit. Um, okay. But it's definitely going to come from you just doing the fantastic work you're doing. Um, again, I, I love the focus um, around leadership development, around physician leadership development. Absolutely. And I'm honored again that you said yes to join our, our podcast today and to just drop some knowledge on me, on our audience. So thank you so much. Um, Lisa, before I uh, let you go, I would love to just end with you sharing, you know, the best way that our audience can connect with you or follow you through social media, and then we'll sign off. Okay, great. So yes, your audience can follow me on all social media at Dr. Lisa Herbert. So that's Dr. Lisa Herbert. Um, they can also go to my website at drlisaherbert.com. Right, perfect. And we'll be sure to uh, connect the link. Don't don't let me forget. Uh, I'll absolutely put that in the show notes so folks can just click and pull it right up. Um, Lisa, thank you so much again just for everything today and to our quality people everywhere. Thank you all for listening and making us a part of your day. This is Jarvis and Dr. Lisa Herbert, and we're signing off. Thank you for having me. Quality people, thank you so much again for plugging in with today's episode. If you enjoyed it, please feel free to share it using the social media link posted in the notes below. I'd also be very grateful if you could subscribe, give us a rating, and also share feedback on what additional value we can bring to you through this podcast. That helps a lot with our show rankings and also with getting this great content out to healthcare leaders around the world. And if you want to engage with me directly, then please connect with me on LinkedIn, where I share additional resources, access to our QI community, and much more. All right, quality people, thank you again, and I'll see you back here next week when I introduce you to another quality guest.